Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We are not doing this, however, without considering the works we are committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. This morning, as we're going through our prayer challenge, we're going to be talking about treasures, and I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 starting at verse 19, a passage of scripture that I think we're familiar with. And I'm going to change things up, and I'm coming down here this morning. (laughs) I had no idea it would be that powerful. No, I think I'm going to go up here. Okay. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 19. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. At the time when Jesus was speaking, what people would do, they didn't have bank accounts the way we do Many times what they would do is they would take what is of value for them and they would actually bury it in a casket in their property or somewhere. And that casket was where all their treasures were so that when they died, they would have the money for the burial and for the family. And if they needed money, that's where they would go and dig those things up. A a strange thing, but what, what a picture that is this money that is in the ground that is of no use. And Jesus is saying, don't store treasure on this earth that is not valuable, but instead have this treasure in heavenly things because where your treasure is, your heart is also. And that's one of those powerful truths that are meant to check us to see what are the things that we value most. And most of the time, you can tell what things we value most by what we spend the most time with and what we spend the most money on. It could be recreation. It could be our children. It could be clothes. It could be guitars. Other musical instruments. 
whatever those things are that we invest the most in, those are the things that are most important to us. Our homes, our work, our cars. Every now and then I'll do a training at a house and the car that is there parked in the garage is worth more than my house. I think, wonder if they'll trade. Then I think, Kareen and the kids, what am I going to do? Then I think I could drive fast enough they'd never catch me. <laughs> but those things that we put treasure in, that's where our heart is invested. And it's a reality that we need to come to grips with. This is how we function. This is the life that we live. And so many of us want to invest in things that are temporary in this illustration, things that really will just die with us when we die as opposed to things that are of value. Yesterday, they had the Relay for Life here at the park, and they asked me to do the opening prayer for the event. It's the third time that I've done this, and I've gotten to know some of the people and some of the stories that are there. And it's really the stories that grip your heart. You talk to Frances, and you hear about her son, and you find out about the other people who are battling or have lost the battle to cancer, those who have overcome. And yesterday they had a testimony from a a young mom named Monique who still has cancer. She has a number of tumors in her lungs. And through this time, she actually had a little daughter. And as her daughter was there standing with her, she said, this is my treasure. She is the one who has helped me through this. She has given me reason to live. You see, if it was just about my life and this cancer, it would have destroyed her. But this little life actually brought life to her. And you can tell that this person now is a treasure to her, is of value. And I want to ask the question to us, where is our heart? Where is our treasure? What are the things that are important to us What are the things that we are invested in? Because if they're temporary things, then we're going to be disappointed. And really, there's the opportunity here to see that wherever there is a need in your life, if you would invest in those areas, you could actually receive dividends. If you are struggling, say, even with an addiction, and you start helping those who are struggling with addiction, you will find yourself having strength over the addiction because you are investing in something and now you actually get more out of that. If you are struggling and you're feeling lonely and you don't have anyone in your life, if you would actually invest your time to come to meetings and groups, maybe the the women's groups or meet us on every morning at 710 or wherever it is that we have a meeting or step into some kind of community, you would find that you would actually start to enrich your life. So instead of saying, man, this church is so, man, cliquish. Everyone's just, you know, into their own friends and nobody, you know, knows me. Step into that and you could change all that. You could break the mold. You could actually invest in yourself by giving of yourself to those areas. 
that any area that you see a need in your life, if you would invest in that area, you could actually enrich your life in that area. What about your marriage? Ooh, I'll go here. (laughs) You struggling in your marriage? What are you investing in your marriage? Because we're going to look and find that the key to the miraculous is sacrifice. And if there is no giving of yourself, there will be no return. Your treasure will get rusted. It will be stolen. It will be empty. But if we would invest in these things, then we would find the investment is actually in us. Because in any kind of community or relationship, tribal communities cannot survive with takers. And takers will not survive in tribal communities. If you're a person who's always taking, taking, and never investing in, you will die. Because pretty soon you will be on your own because you're just taking, taking, taking. See, I don't want my life to be measured by the fruit that I picked. I want my life to be measured by the trees that I planted so that others can receive from that. I think that's the model that Jesus has given us. It's not about what we get, but it's about what we give because it is more blessed to give than to receive. And where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. Turn with me to the book of 1 Kings. Or if I was in political office, I would say 1 Kings. Some of you know what I'm talking about. 1 Kings chapter 17. Starting at verse 7. The prophet Elijah has pronounced a drought on Israel because of their rebellion to God. In verse 7, we see sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I might have a drink? I want to pause here and think, remember, this is a time of drought. The brook is dried up. It wasn't like she could just go to her sink, turn on the water. She had to walk who knows how far to get water. And here is the prophet of God saying, Give me. That just strikes me. Because I'm not that kind of person, hey, give me some water. I know you got to walk miles, and I know you got to carry a jar on your head or whatever you had to do to get the water, but give me water. I, I feel bad if I were to ask that, but nope. He goes there, and he tells her, give me some water. Bring me a little water in a jar that I might drink. As she was going to get it, he called, oh, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Another, bring me. He said, please, but bring me some bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar 
and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home to make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Tearful story, right? Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. And so here's this picture. Elijah is coming to this woman, a widow, has a son. She's preparing to make their last meal. This is all we have and then we're going to die. And Elijah says, before you die, give me something to eat and trust that God is going to take care of you. Just put yourself in that situation right now. Where would your mind go? That's where I thought. Probably same place as mine. Like, what? But something is happening here. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and to kill my son? What an accusation. And notice that this is taking place after the flower has been coming forth and after the oil has been there. I have found that so many times in my life, in the lives of people that I know, God blesses, God blesses, God blesses. God is doing so many things in your life and God is there and God is good. But one bad thing happens and God has forsaken you. And where is God? He's no longer with me. And it's so strange that we can remember the bad things and take them as God is against me and forget all the good things and remember that God was for me and we just hold on to the one bad thing and assume that now God is against us. You know, Jesus said that God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. That God's blessings are there every day to remind us that God is supplying and providing the needs that we have that God is for us in all these things. But boy, one earthquake comes and we're so quick to pronounce judgment on wherever it was, right? It doesn't matter if it's in the Middle East. I don't know if they have earthquakes over there, tsunamis, or if it's in, you know, San Francisco had an earthquake. God's against it. You could always find someone that God's against, right? Have this mindset that all of a sudden God is again. What about all the days that God provided rain, provided sunshine, provided blessing on those people? Do those mean nothing but one bad thing and all of a sudden it's God's judgment? And this woman has this befall on her and all of a sudden God is against her. What about all those days that God gave you and provided for you? What about that? What about all the days in your life that God has taken care of you has heard your cry, who's comforted your heart, who's supplied your needs, is not God for you, but one bad day, one bad diagnosis, and all of a sudden it all goes out the window and God is against me. 
because of how we are seeing the situation. And so she accuses Elijah that he came to remind her of her sin and to kill her son. Verse 19, give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? This tells me that even Elijah was caught by surprise with this. So he cries out to God and says this to God. Then he stretched himself on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He's probably weak because you're probably weak after you've been dead. He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Now she knows. So many things in this story that I think are lessons for us in understanding what we treasure and what we value. If we would take the little that we have and we would give it to the things that are of value and important, then we would find that God would produce an abundance in our lives. She took the last of her oil, dedicated it to the work of God in the man Elijah, and God supplied for her needs and blessed her. God can do more with what I have than what I can do with what I have. So it would be wise to take what I have and to dedicate it to what God wants. It's an important posture that we are to have. If we say, God, this is our oil, this is our flour, do something miraculous, but notice it required first the sacrifice. It's all I have. This is what I'm giving to you. And so many times we have a mindset of what does God want from me? What, what does God want? Well, we'll give our 10%. We'll give our, our Sunday mornings. We'll give, you know, our Wednesday nights. Or we'll give... a. a 20 minutes of prayer in the morning. This is God what I'm giving to you. And, and really, if we want to see God do something miraculous, what he wants is all of what we have, all of who we are. That if we really want God to work in our lives, then it's going to take all of our lives devoted to what God wants to work in us. And, and it's so easy to look at these things and start seeing them as, oh no, I, I need to hold on to this for myself. I need to keep this. This is what's valuable to me is my time, my resources, whatever those things are. This is what I value. And God says, no, you know, if you want me to do something amazing in your life, amazing in your family, then I want it all. What does that look like? 
that's what God has to have a conversation with you. But how interesting that God would have a man of God go to a woman who had nothing and require all that she had. Like the woman who put in her two pennies and Jesus said she gave more than everyone because she gave out of her need. God saw and respected that and would bless that. It's telling us something about our lives and how we are to give of ourselves. She believed God was for Elijah. You're the man of God. I'll I'll give you the food. I'll I'll give you this because you're a man of God. She believed God was for Elijah, but what she didn't believe when her son died was that God was really for her too. And I think some of us have that struggle. Well, oh yeah, God is for you or these people. God is for them because of who they are, but you don't see that God is for you. And what a a strange thing that God would go to this woman who had nothing, require everything. And we look at that and we stand back and we say, God, why would you do something like that? Why would you be so invasive? Why would you step into her life and cause so much difficulty? Why would you put that kind of a burden on her? Say, hey, I know this is the last of what you have, but I want it. Why would you put that kind of burden on her life? But maybe... God was stepping into her life because her son was going to die. And when she really needed God the most, God would already be there. See, we look at it as, God, you're you're requiring so much of me. You're asking so much of me. And what God is really wanting is to be so close to you so that when you do need him to show up, he is already there. And so many times we just want God when we need him and you don't understand. It requires all of who you are all the time so that he can be in your life. And then when the time comes, he is already there. Then when you need the miracle, you've already sacrificed and the presence of God is with you and you can hear the voice of God and know that he's not just for the man of God, but he is the God who is for all men and he is there for you. And he was close to this widow Because she sacrificed all that she had. And if we would have this kind of mentality to be able to embrace this understanding of how God works and what God desires to do, the awkward conversation is that when we feel that we're starving, God is asking for everything. Because that's actually when he has the most ability to work in our lives. And so it's important that we recognize these things. Turn with me also to one more passage in Luke chapter 6. Starting at verse 37. Jesus says, Do not judge and you will not be judged. Let me stop there, because this idea of judging is, is, again, construed, I think, a little differently. We always think, oh, you have to make some judgments. You've got to determine if it's right or a wrong thing. But what he's, he's saying is, have 
the posture of yes. You see, when you see someone or you hear someone, the first judgment usually that we have is a no towards that person. If someone comes up to me from the street or knocks on my door to sell me something, my first inclination is no. I don't know what it is, but the answer is no, just so you know. What has happened? I've made a judgment. I've decided what I want before I even know what it is. And I understand a lot of that's because of the routine of what's happened. But you see, that's the idea. Don't judge. Don't say no before there's the opportunity to maybe say yes. That's what he's talking about. Not if someone murders someone, don't say, oh, that was bad. That's not what he's talking about. The idea is have an opportunity to say yes. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and it will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It is in our need that we will find the potential to have a surplus. Every area where there is a need in your life, it is telling you where you need to invest to be able to become rich in those areas. The area you struggle the most, if you can give yourself to it, give your time, give your service, give your resources, you will find that you will actually receive strength, whatever those areas are. Again, family, areas of struggle, addiction, whatever those areas is, forgiveness, If you would devote yourself to those things, you could find that you could actually find strength in those areas. Most time when people tell me that, you know, I just need to take a break right now. I I just need to, I'm having a hard time and I need some time for myself. I feel like saying, you know, I think it was yourself who got you into the trouble. So more time with yourself is probably going to get you more of the same of what you've got. So instead of just giving more time to yourself, try giving more time to something else other than yourself. Proverbs 28, 7 says, those who give to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to them will receive many curses. You think, many curses? What is that? It's not like some voodoo thing, okay? It's not like, oh, you're going to get a curse and you're going to grow a wart on your nose or something like that. The idea of curses is that you are going to miss the opportunities that life has for you because your eyes are closed to the needs that are around you. And you see, when we start looking at where we invest our life and our treasure, if we start closing ourselves to the things that God is doing and God would have us invest and give ourselves our time, our service, our resources to, then we are blind to the will of God and we find our lives distanced from him because of those choices. We find ourselves struggling because we are ignoring what God is wanting to do. And here's what I want to tell you this morning is that whatever God is wanting you to do, 
for it to be something miraculous in your life, it is going to cost you. And it is going to be a sacrifice. And it's going to hurt. And it's going to take a lot out of you. But that's when God will draw closest to you and will work deeply in you. And everything in you and in our culture will tell you, no, be comfortable. Do what you can to make things easier for yourself. And then you will look and find your treasures have rotted away and they've been stolen by time and you're left with nothing because you've been picking fruit but you haven't been planting trees because you've been concerned about keeping your own life and now you find you have cancer and you find out that you've been living for yourself and you have left nothing. Your treasure is gone. Your wealth means nothing. And what you should have treasured in was in the life of another. Maybe your little girl. Maybe this little boy. Maybe the people who are in need in Mexico or in Haiti. Maybe in the things that God wants to do to reach people in our community. You see, if we would open our eyes and invest, and though it cost us, we would find ourselves storing treasure in heavenly things. But it's going to cost us. We are here because we want to do the will of God. We are here because we want to be the voice of God to a world that needs to hear the good news, that God is not against them, that he is for them, that God is not here to bring judgment or condemnation because they're already condemned. That's what Jesus said. I've not come to condemn the world. They're condemned already because they don't know the good news of who I am. And so we're here to bring freedom. We're here to bring hope. We're here to bring the truth to God. And we do it tangibly and we do it with our words. And we do it together as a community. And so as we spend these days of prayer, it costs time. It's cost me every morning to get up. There's some mornings I don't go to bed still until like late. That's all you need to know. And I have to get up. And I can tell you, even when it's been hard to get up, there's not been a morning that I've regretted being together and I haven't been encouraged and strengthened in my faith that I have needed these 40 days probably more than anybody. And you who've come, I can't tell you how you've restored my soul. Every morning when I go there and you're there, some of you waiting or some of you coming later, that's fine. It helps me to see you care. You'll sacrifice your morning to be there. That means a lot to me. And and I get the sense that God says, It means a lot to me too. But you see, there's all these areas where it means a lot, but it's going to cost us in some way to give of ourselves to something. We're asking that you give towards this building fund. Why? Because we want a building? No, because we want to do the work of God. But all I've got is this much. I'm not going to pressure you. I'm not going to try and push this. 
but I just want us to grab hold of this vision that God is going to do something when it costs us everything. And I don't mean money. When it costs us our devotion to him. When it costs us our commitment to his will over our will. When it costs us caring and forgiving about the people who bug us. When it costs us these areas of comfort and we step into them, we'll find that God will do the miraculous then because he is then close to us when we need him most. Let's pray. Lord, there are times when I look at my life and I think, where would I be now if I would have given more of myself to you earlier? If I would have given more of my devotion to you, if I would have given my mornings to you, if I would have given more time to reading, if, if I would have given more time to, to giving to other people in relational ways, if I would have actually been less judgmental and more engaging, Lord, all these things, the, the sacrifice of time, the sacrifice of service, the sacrifice of service and, and resources, Lord, it equals love. That's what we do to our children because we love them. That's what we do to the people that we love. And Lord, that's what we want to be motivated by is, is love. And so God, I, I pray for this community and for the people that are here. First, I pray for the individuals, Lord. There are areas in our lives where we need to sacrifice to you. And maybe it is in that marital relationship that we've been taking and not giving. We've been selfish and we need to give. Maybe it's pride that we've been holding back because we've been hurt or we're struggling with our weakness and we don't want to confess it, Lord. And there's something that's keeping us from going forward. And, and we need to let those things go and sacrifice these things to you so that you can bring a miraculous healing and these most important relationships. And I pray you would do this, Lord. In Jesus' name, I, I pray for the families that are struggling, the tension that are there with those who are struggling with addictions, those who are struggling with mental illnesses. Father, there is a hard conversation that needs to be had, and we have to step into that conversation. And it costs us so much. But we can't ignore the importance. And we need to be able to step into these areas, Lord, and sacrifice of our comfort to be willing to go there and to have that hard conversation that you might draw near and bring healing. And Lord, I hate it, but I'm asking for financial support for the work we want to do at Genesis, Lord. I don't want this to be anything more than your will accomplished in us as a community, Lord. I don't want to ask anyone more than I'm willing to give of myself, but God, I desire to see you work through Genesis, and through these people, and Lord, we would really like a building to be able to do more in. And so we leave that into you, Lord, and I know that it's costing me and it's costing others. Lord, I pray we take this endeavor on 
ourselves because we still want to give to the orphanage. We still want to give to the work in Haiti. We still have so much work to do in our community, Lord. And this little token of our flour and our oil is just so that you can supply us with more and more and more that will be dedicated to you. So there I've asked. God, what we really want is your life in us. What we really want is to be near to you, for your presence to be upon us, for your life to flow through us, for your love to be produced by us. Lord, love has always cost and it always will. So we give of ourselves to you, and Lord, we want our treasure to be what your treasure is. We want our hearts to long for what your heart longs for. We want to reshape our focus so that it looks like what you look like. Do what is necessary in us so that that happens. May we count the cost. May we be willing to sacrifice what is necessary allow the miraculous work you want to do take place. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together with me? To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or what we think, may you go to him for every need you have and may you give all you have to the one who loves you perfectly. God bless you guys. Have a great day. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.